Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> and do you remember the name of the show? People to Pieces. There you go. Welcome to another edition of People to Pieces. My name is Lori Jones, and I'm here with my co-host. Maurice Carver. Yes, Mr. Carver. How are you today? I'm doing fine yourself, Ms. Jones. I am just fine. Just right wanted to that. get into <laughs> just wanted to get a few topics in uh, real quickly about things that are on my mind, um, and I'm sure they should probably be on your mind as well. I'm I'm just interested in how you feel about the topics that are going on in terms of what's going on in Texas with the um, preventing certain things from being taught in school to children and and um, the laws that they expect to be spreading out to other states regarding African history and teaching um, things like critical race theory in schools. Well, again, I mean, when we, we talk about critical race theory, I said from the beginning that the problem has always been the titling of critical race theory. I mean, it, I think that they should call it critical truth. And I think that we're dealing with a nation that, you know, um, that is not willing to deal with truth. And since it doesn't want to do that and it doesn't it doesn't want to deal with the shame of what it has done, then I mean, there can really never be any type of a healing or, or um, like somebody said, I'm not even interested in reconciliation. I'm interested in accountability. And so they can't be healing without there being accountability. And since we can't teach the truth then uh, about what this country has done and who it has harmed and what needs to be done to move forward in the future, um, I, I find that to be a problem. And, I, and again, I think people are looking at a, a, a legal term because critical race theory is a legal ter- term. People don't know that, you know, Derek Bell and uh, was uh, was a lawyer, who was a, a, a professor, uh, thought, of, thought of that along with, a, I forgot the name of the other young, the, the, the woman that was a part of the, the, the analysis to put this together, but it really was more of an academic term, uh, like on a collegiate level. And so they should have renamed it uh, again, like branded it properly so that people will be able to um, accept it. Because once, the, once uh, people got a hold of it, who really was not interested in the truth, they made it and projected it as something negative. Well, it's funny, they have comedians that are going around asking people about, you know, what they think it is. And, and people are like, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, how can you say that you don't you don't believe in something or it doesn't make sense if you don't know what it is? And, and I understand that there are concerns about people having um, conversations with children before they're too young or whatever to understand. So uh, I, I'm not as opposed to an age limit before it's introduced in schools. But I think what you're talking about, like you said, factual information or factual history, if you're teaching history, why should there be an argument about teaching facts? Yeah, I mean, when we think about this, right, and no no disrespect to anybody, but let's think, for example, about, um, okay, so, you know, when I listen to the the rationale behind people talking about they don't want their five-year-old children um, hearing this stuff and feeling guilty, uh, we talk about the Holocaust and we talk about what happened to the Jews. And that's the situation that didn't even happen within the United States. And that is based off of when it's a, a age appropriate to teach it. 
So to pe- teach uh, the history of chattel slavery within America and the consequences of, of, of that and the impact that it had on those people that were enslaved can be taught at an age-appropriate time. And it is relevant to the history, the building, and the structure of how America was created. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. We have people like Dr. Joy DeGruy who talked about um, the fact that with her book about post-traumatic slave syndrome, she talked about the fact that a lot of people of European descent do not recognize how detrimental not discussing this is even to them, because there's there's something called cognitive dissonance, which basically is when you're doing one thing, you could be doing something that you know intrinsically is wrong, but you continue to do it. It's sort of like slavery. You know, they had, they had some of the um, so-called family fathers that talked about, oh, you know, if, if you know, God is our witness, you know, if we will we'll burn in hell because, you know, basically we know this is wrong, but we're doing it anyway for economic reasons. Right. And so she is saying that that cognitive dissonance is unhealthy for even the people who are perpetrating the wrongdoing. And so not talking about it not only, you know, causes problems for the people who were actually oppressed, but it causes problems for the people who have to live with this sort of like guilt when people are guilty about something and you just hold it in, hold it in. You know, you can wind up with physical ailments, psychological ailments, things of that nature, which is why it's it's, it's amazing how how much um, pushback is occurring on on the whole subject. What concerns me the most though, is the people who are pretending not to understand when they do understand. And I know you can't get into somebody's head, but you know, you and I, we've talked about, you know, watching Bill Maher and I've watched him mention the subject a few times. And again, I, I think I mentioned this before, I've seen his show over years And he always, you know, he seems to be an intelligent person, but he also always seems to be a well-informed person. Like he does his research before he has his topics discussed on his show. And the comments that he keeps making, just, you know, even when he's clearly explained what it is, like um, Professor Dyson was on his, his show last week and he clearly said, no, we're talking about systematic problems. It's not addressing people individually and, and blaming people. It's talking about systematic problems that unless that's eliminated, then you're gonna have a problem. So whether you're talking about systematic racism within um, the legal um, profession, you know, or, you know, the, you know it, it, whether it's in economic or whether it's in, you know, a lot of things that, that, that we know about, that's the problem that you can't pretend doesn't happen. And, and you're not going in one individual because one individual doesn't control, you know, the, the um, environment. One individual doesn't control the school system, all of that stuff. He's basically saying that you have to look at it from a system standpoint to eliminate it. But, you know, it, it reminded me of Dave Chappelle when he came back and started trying, well, not even defending himself because he I don't think he feels the need to defend himself. But when he, he made the comment about, well, I will meet with the LBGTQ um, community. He said, I'll meet with them, but you have to promise one thing, that you're gonna watch my show from beginning to end. Mm. Because if you if you watched his show, and I watched it twice just to see if I'd missed something the first time, you understand he's similar to George Carlin or Chris Rock 
are those people who have their comedy, but they're making a very serious statement within their comedy. They're, I, I think of them as, as um, comedic, comedic commentary, where it's like news, but it's also giving you some a way to laugh at it and then be a little bit more comfortable with it. So when he made comments and, you know, I'm not going to, you know, spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but just when he made just one line where he made a comment about how come it was easier for, um, for, uh, uh, um, what's her, um, Jenner, um, Kendall Jenner or, or the, Bruce Jenner, the, fa the father. Yeah. Bruce, is it Bruce Jenner? Yeah. Yeah, but I, I I'm I'm forgetting his 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 new name. But um, this he's saying why was it easier for his the sex change his him to change his sex than for Cassius Clay to change his name? Good point. Yeah, so you're looking at it where he's he's just trying to give you some perspective that some things are acceptable in communities that are difficult. That you know that are that should be more difficult, but it was easier than it was for somebody to just say, "Look, I want you to call me this," you know, or I want you to call me Muhammad Ali, you know, instead of it. It just it's 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 trying to give people a perspective that you can't understand what I'm saying and why it's important until you listen to what I'm saying. You know, and then try and empathize or try and understand because it's something that's been occurring for many, many years. And that's, you know, it's it's another um, example is the Colin Kaepernick um, show, the Colin in black and white, where somebody made a parallel. They're, they're getting on his case about him making a parallel between the NFL and slavery. And yeah, everybody's up in arms. Oh, you're overreacting. And how can you make this comparison? And they're making all kinds of comments about, oh, oh that's just totally wrong. But if you try to look at the comparison that he was making, whether it was, okay, you're looking at an establishment where most of the people in power are of European descent, and then you have black men, uh, are, are the, 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 the league is mostly black men, you know, who come to this, this um, area and they're measured and, you know, they're examined and they're, you know, they're, they're looked over similar to the same slave, same way that the people were on the slave auctions. And he's just trying to say that for you, it doesn't seem strange, but for people who have a historic, uh, uh, an example in their history where it was a difficult time, the parallel may be something that you might want to consider. Well, I mean, it's not a, it's not a strange uh, analogy to me. And most people don't remember uh, William um, Roden. I remember wrote a book called The $40 Million Slaves. And he talked about black athletes in the United States and how they uh, how he he made an analogy and throughout history of um, a, a plantation almost aspect of uh, what Colin Kaepernick has, has been is talking about. So it's not anything that's unusual. It's it's really similar. And, and the other thing that I, I do find is this, uh, this distressing is that when people are, uh, are, we, we talk about this, our history here in America, that people are dishonest in, in terms of not understanding the facts behind it, as if they are not facts. Uh, uh, there's a professor that just dropped a book, um, I think her name is Cheryl Cashin, and she wrote a book, White Spaces, Black Hood. And, she, and, and within that book, she took a look at two decades of data to explore the ways in which the U.S. government fostered an inequality through the creation of impoverished black spaces 
and affluent white spaces. This is like the narrative, right? And mm-hmm. then if you just want to say, well, that's a black person writing that, then we can look at the color of law, a forgotten history of how government segregated America. And this is by Richard Rothstein. So these are books that you have scholars have taken a look at the U.S. government and how through systematic racism and systematic policies have impacted the life of not only black people, but other people of color within America. And so what we're asking people to do is to look at the factual information, look at the truth of the matter, and then then become if you if, if you become feel guilty about it. Good, because the whole pr- principle behind guilt is accountability. And when you become accountable, then you'll do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and this, the whole systematic, it reminds me of an article that you sent over talking about, um, you know, the the condition of the, the, the water in communities of color. Right. And I remember um, uh, years ago on Black Men Screaming, we talked about environmental racism where they, they, there was there's studies that show that they put landfills and stuff like that in communities of color and then the truck routes that, you know, go go back and forth on um, you know, on a daily basis and pollute the environment are in areas where people of color are. There, there's certain things that are happening within a system that if you don't address them or you don't acknowledge them, at least they can never be addressed. Well, if you can have a situation in Louisiana, like Mossville, where you had a community that that came out of being enslaved and was created, which, which is a safe haven for black people to grow and to thrive. And then you have a South African corporation that came to, to the United States and pretty much built around this community and destroyed it in terms. And then you have all of these cancer clusters and things of that nature. And then when you go back and you juxtapose it to what they did in South Africa, they did the same thing. Uh, the United States was supposed to be so socially responsible and all about humans' rights and the protection of property and life that they were able to come in and destroy a black community and nobody said anything about it. And, it's, and, and, and it didn't come to light until uh, PBS did this whole Mossville uh, uh, presentation. I mean, and, it, and the thing I, I hear from a lot of people that I find again is distressing that a lot of people will say, well, how come they just let it happen? I said, these people, if you go back and you look at the historical documents, which is called video, okay, you can see that people posted information and they had everything uh, lined up to fight against this company. But because of the way the laws are written and how legislators looked at the the, uh, economic impact on their pockets instead of the social, economic, and, and spiritual and physical impact that they had on that community. And then, and then they decided that it was okay to uh, destroy this community. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's funny with this, this thing going on in Texas where they're like, no, we, you know, you can't teach anything that's going to make, you know, one group feel bad. How about the numerous studies over the years from, you know, many of our scholars, you know, psychology, psychology scholars um, in the African community and otherwise, you know, people like Regent Adelaide Sanford, who have talked about the fact that the lack of seeing yourself in history is detrimental to the mindset of individuals. So the mere fact that a lot of African history has not been in the school system in itself, you know, it has been a detriment to people of color because they don't see themselves. Well, think about this for the, for the point that you talk about, the, 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 the appearance of, of, of African-America is the appearance of, of, of African enslaved. And that is a poor narrative because Africans were in America because, you know, uh, 
uh, what did he said? We came before Columbus. Who, who wrote the book, Jones? Um, uh, Ivan Van Sertima. Exactly. So and he studied the whole situation and said the Africans were already in America before even Europeans landed here. But yet, when we start about the, the existence of Africans in America, we start with the whole narrative of Black people enslaved in America. And the thing that, I again, I find offensive about some people is that they have this whole idea that Black people just were sort of subservient and they just accepted it and that they didn't fight back. There are generations of, of, of that fought back against this whole system. There were Africans that you talked about, Jones, that threw themselves over the, overboard than to go into slavery. There were Africans that fought and rebelled on the ships. There were Africans that revolted. I, I think there's over 160 uh, documented uh, incidents, which of course they don't teach in history. These type of things they don't teach because they think that people were happy to be in this particular existence. And that is offensive. Yeah, it, it's funny when you talk about the the discovering, I, I could hear Dr. Dr. Van, Dr. Yosef Benyakinen, where when he's talking about the whole Christopher Columbus thing, and he said, you know, how can you come and, you know, you come and you discover America and the people who were there are watching you discover them and we're already there. Right, it's like the history yeah. doesn't start until they say it starts. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, you know, it's I, I, for the healing to begin, it's unfortunate that we have to keep having these hurdles where we make one step forward and then two steps back. And I don't think we can sit around and wait for another George Floyd incident or, you know, some something where something devastatingly horrible before people start saying, oh, yeah, maybe you have a point. You know, it's almost like you sit back and, and these things happen. And and then, you know, first the Amadou Diallo situation some 20 odd years ago. And they're like, oh, maybe something is wrong with this, you know, this um, anti-crime unit. You know, or you wait until there's 700,000 um, people who are stopped and frisked and they're, they're let go. And then you go, oh, maybe there is. And then you find out that, it, that 95 of them or percent of them are of color. And they go, oh, maybe there is a problem with the stop and frisk. You know, it's almost like we have to wait until things become horribly, glaringly obvious before we acknowledge the fact that something's wrong. And and, and I, I thought about you uh, the other day, Jones, because I, I know that you have such a... Um, fervent and, 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 and brilliant mind pertaining to the, the, the history of Egypt and uh, the African aspect of uh, our impact in, in that particular land. And then, you know, again, when I, I started thinking about how media impacts on the things that we think about um, the greatness of Egypt and where and who should really get the credit. And this is just something basic, which some people might think is silly, but again, because the impact of media and, and stuff being, you know, seen consistently over and over and over again, you would think that maybe that narrative is true. Now, I don't know if you remember the TV show. It was a movie, Stargate, Stargate which uh, Kurt Russell was in. And then there was a, a TV show, Stargate SG-1. But the thing that I found uh, interesting about it was that they connected the pyramids in Egypt to these pyramids that they found in outer space and all these different things of that nature. And again, it comes to a disconnect where we have cognitive dissonance where people will refuse to acknowledge that that greatness should be attributed to the African and not some alien. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Dr. Ben used to always talk about that. He used to say that he studied 
African history. He studied Egyptian history just because that's where, like you said, history starts when things are written down. He studied it because that's where it was written. But the the things that he encountered, the racism that he encountered where, you know, there were groups of Egyptologists and they wouldn't let him sit with the group because he mm -hmm. was of dark skin, you know, or, or things of that nature where there were privileges that were denied people of color, but he still wanted to study it. He was studying it for the point of history, but it got to the point where you had to start pointing out the ancient Egyptians were of Black African descent because people were purposely trying to deny that. You know, it would have it, it would have just been history until people started trying to say that it's not African history. And, and the mere fact that even the, the documents of, of several civilizations prove that the original inhabitants during the time of a lot of these accomplishments were people of dark skin. You know, you have Greek historians like Herodotus and you have Manetho and you have, you have people who went there during those ancient times and wrote it down so it became history that said, we see people with dark skin and woolly hair. Or there was no, there were no invasions into Egypt before this a certain time period, and the time period we're talking about of the building of the pyramids and things like that are 900 years before that very first invasion by the Hyksos. You know, so it's 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 almost like you'd like to just teach it the way it's it's you know supposed to be taught. Like this is what happened, and this what, but the mere fact that you have to now do it on a defensive posture is is ludicrous because it's almost like people don't want to know the truth which is, you know, history is supposed to be the truth, or they don't want to know the facts. Well, I, I wonder how Bill Maher would feel about the history of his lineage being taught. You know, I wonder if they were saying something that was negative about his background, how he would feel about that. What's interesting is, it's, I think part of the reason it's shocking that there's so much pushback in certain areas is because when people have been oppressed in any way, you think you would think that they would be more likely to identify with not allowing other people to be oppressed. It's similar to, um, I know, as, as the, um, the anti-Asian sentiment started happening where, you know, Asian people were being randomly attacked and things of that nature. I know people of color could identify and say, yes, to be targeted because of your color is wrong you know, and automatically empathize for that reason. And it's the same, you, you would expect the same thing in terms of anybody who's been oppressed in any way, shape or form. So denying, you know, denying critical race theory on any level seems to be, it seems to be hypocritical because you're now saying that, okay, your feelings don't matter, but my feelings matter when it's my issue. So, Jones, I want to kind of switch the conversation into something that I found um, was very disturbing. I actually uh, read the article first and then I went to uh, the local uh, uh, television station to really look at the and examine what really happened and try to wrap my mind around um, the narrative of a school in North Carolina suspending a young lady, a 15 year old young lady because they believed that she lied about a sexual assault and then forcing her to take um, a training uh, sexual harassment that was titled sexual harassment is preventable. And so I, I, I really wanted to, to get a deeper understanding as to 
the logic behind how they could, with all of the information that came forth, still be standing behind their decision and seem to be adamant and not uh, providing some type of uh, corrective action or apologies to this young lady. Yeah, well, there, there was all kinds of confusion with this story, mainly because um, I don't understand how one uh, police organization that is trained to, you know, interview and recognize things like sexual assault can be disregarded and the school system can say, no, but we did our own investigation and we don't agree with them. You know, so the mere fact that the, the police saw credibility in her statement should have given more credibility to her statement to the school. So that that I don't understand. Um, the only thing I can um, you know guess is that the lawyers for the school just said stick to your guns. Mm. You know, just you know, don't you know if you if you admit it, then you have to explain what why what, what you did was wrong and blah blah blah. So I think there's sort of like a legal situation going on in the background, which is unfortunate again because. Too many times we're so many so so often dealing with ignoring justice and ignoring something as important as justice in a situation like this, as opposed to the facts of the case and, and the circumstances. I told you briefly about um, a movie I watched called um, Promising Young Woman, that the whole idea was behind the same story, that somebody a woman can accuse uh, a man of sexual assault. And because the school doesn't want the controversy or doesn't want the obligation to, you know, we didn't protect that kind of thing, they just kind of cover it up. But in this case, you know, a real life story, we're dealing with a 15 year old girl who has to be going through a whole lot of emotions and, you know, at her level of, of lack of maturity, um, has to be going through conflicts internally as to why she's not even protected in a circumstance when she did what she was supposed to do, which is reported. So I, I you know, it, it's very distressing, not just because of the incident that happened, but because of, you know, what happens after the incident. Similar to when they talk about how rape victims, you know, if they report it and then they go to court and then they're again, you know, their, their history of their dating life and all this other stuff is, unrelated stuff is brought up as if you're not gonna concentrate on the lack of justice over the incident itself. Well, I mean, she's attending on um, Hawthorne uh, Academy High School. And again, uh, she was suspended for a day after reporting a sexual assault by a male classmate. Now, the thing that's interesting about what you said, Jones, was uh, the police investigated it and the young man did something I thought was actually interesting. He did what? He admitted it. Mm hmm. So he admitted that he had sexual contact uh, with this young lady and still the school is standing on on their uh, behavior as being appropriate in a situation where the police have a confession from the young man stating that he did assault her. And of course, I mean, let's get specific. I mean, he went into uh, the, the female. He followed her into the female bathroom. Which should immediately, immediately have put the school on, okay, we need to now make sure that this girl is okay. Because that can't be acceptable on, in any way, shape, or form. So at that point, they should have immediately been on her side. And, you know, I, when they said the thing about the, um, the training, 
I don't know what the training is, you know, the saying that, you know, sexual harassment is preventable. I, I'm curious about that. I'm curious as to whether or not that is teaching her defensive mechanisms when you are sexually harassed, or if it is more of something that's going to make her feel worse about, you know, is this my fault? And the reason I'm conflicted about it is because I think there are certain things that need to be taught to um, everyone, you know, in terms of preventing negative situations, you know, they have things like date rape, they have things like sexual assault, they have things like, you know, just avoiding crime, you know, just various things that I know people, and, and I think I mentioned this to you once before that, that Oprah Winfrey one time, she had a, an actual pedophile that came on her show and his, he was like, you know, I've turned over a new leaf type thing where he was trying to warn people about what pedophiles do to ingratiate themselves into, you know, the, the, the family where, okay, well, first we find a single mother, you know, who needs help. And then, you know, and then you, you start dating the mother and start helping her with the child and, you know, including the child in on the dates. And then the mother gets a sense of comfort that, you know, now you're, you know, you're, 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 you're part of the family. And then they start, you know, moving towards the child. And so he was trying to explain that this is, this is our MO basically. And if you do have some sort of training that's going to teach people to recognize the stages as you're moving towards, as somebody who's, who's an aggressor or a perpetrator or whatever is you know, the steps that they take to moving towards that, that's one thing. But if you're now gonna just, first of all, I don't even know if they, they made him take a course. Because I think the the parents were requesting, you know, some something of, of that nature. If if they're going to make her take a course, he he definitely should have been taking a course you know, about right, wrong, treating people, treating people, Abusing you know, with respect in terms of not following them into the bathroom, much less whatever else went on. So I think that um, more would need to be known.